0: Are you ready to get science-y?
1: Uh, sort of. Sort yeah, of science Yeah, I science-y. would say sort of. I think he makes a good argument that it's not that science-y.
0: I agree, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, man, let's do it.
0: Okay. So today, we're going to be reading the essay, Why Socialism? by Albert Einstein. First published in the Monthly Review, uh, this was actually the founding, uh, like, volume 1 number 1 of this magazine. And The Monthly Review is like a an independent socialist magazine. This was published February 1951 just for some context.
1: Oh okay. Um The Monthly Review actually is still around?
0: Oh, okay.
1: It may only be in web format. You know a lot of things publications have done that, but uh it's the longest continuously published socialist magazine in the US.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. It's current editor uh, John Bellamy Foster we've actually discussed some of his writings in our eco-socialism episode
0: Oh cool
1: Yeah he was the one talking about the uh uh Marx and Engels and like the metabolic rift that was his concept
0: Mm okay <laughs> Sorry I have a really stupid screenshot on my desktop right now Uh I guess I could send it to you Uh you know that horrible song that's going around the the Try That in a Small Town
1: I have not heard this song, but I've only heard of you it. You don't have to hear, okay. it, hear it. I think they it's t- were really talking bad. about it on the Troubillies.
0: Yeah. Uh. I mean, the music video, Kyle made me watch it because it's so bad, and he just wanted to talk to somebody about it. Um. But when I went to YouTube to watch it, this is the ad I got, which I think is pretty telling. I'm sending it in the chat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um... That's an interesting intersection of, uh, that's, that's a targeted ad. Maybe that's,
0: it certainly is. Uh, they apparently think if you're listening to this song, you also want to find single Ukrainian women,
1: traditional and family (laughs) values, seeking (laughs) older partners.
0: Older. I didn't see the subcaption. Oh, that's really good. (laughs) Oh, okay. Anyway, sorry for the distraction listeners. I just, I, I usually keep a pretty clean desktop so that big breasted woman kind of stood out to me (laughs) also sorry if you hear some noises in the background i'm doing my laundry it's just a busy week guys okay i'm not even gonna make an excuse for that one
1: hey as einstein says we're all going through it
0: (laughs) totally yeah yeah so actually the copy that i read from this uh i found like kind of a scan of the original so it's very old looking and cool uh i don't know very fun like mid-century design stuff happening like in terms of typefaces i mean not that fun it's very straightforward but i like it retro and yeah. it even comes with the little like subscription cutout thing at the very bottom
1: <laughs> nice um i read it online and then i copied and pasted it to a google doc so i could number the paragraphs so mine is the opposite of yours no design
0: it, it very much is <laughs> <laughs> okay let's get into it
1: yeah so einstein's writing like we said Kind of at the onset of the Cold War, right after World War II. That's kind of the context, I guess, of uh did we want to give any bio to him too, or I mean, I'm not science wise, but I mean like people know that I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can give a really brief one, which is that I mean, he did a lot of science. <laughs> <laughs> German born, uh Jewish, and as a result of those circumstances, jumped around a lot. Uh, you know, went lived in switzerland for a while he lived in italy as a boy um just really like a ton of countries especially after he like became famous for his work he was one of like the few celebrity scientists out there you know he got invited pretty much all over the world like did tons of world tours and stuff like that pretty cool dude all in all had some bad takes had some good takes we're gonna look at the good ones
1: yeah uh he i guess the bad to put it into context the bad takes were like the Zionism
0: oh okay i actually read a little bit about this he was not super zionist he he wanted coexistence he, he was like we should just be able to live with the palestinians like it's not a big deal oh. like they actually offered him the largely ceremonial position of like president of israel and he was like i'm gonna pass on that dog that's not really me oh so. cool.
1: so he was more like a one state kind of guy but not like not like um a jewish state but like an equal state
0: i believe so yeah like he he seemed to be more of that stripe
1: that's good i guess that's i mean
0: yeah yeah i i liked that
1: hey <laughs> yeah, probably you know but what what are what are some other takes of his or whatever i, I didn't really look too much into it
0: i mean the only i mean <laughs> if you want to be i guess uh very morally monogamous uh he was not that <laughs> ah. uh, he he liked the ladies quite a bit he
1: got around
0: he got around. Okay. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Uh, his last wife seemed pretty cool with that. She stuck with him through all that. So I think, you know, he found someone that was into that, I guess. Yeah,
1: or chill about it anyway.
0: Or chill about it, yeah.
1: I think also he was big into civil rights, I want to say.
0: He was. He was big into civil rights. He was a member of the NAACP. He's a big fan of W.E.B. Du Bois and was prepared to testify on his behalf during his trial. And when he offered to become a character witness, the judge decided to drop the case.
1: (laughs) Fucking Einstein's (laughs) going to show up here? Okay.
0: Yeah, like, oh, I don't think we we can do this. It was probably
1: like some dumbass Southern judge and he was like, he's going to ask me science questions and I'm not going to (laughs) know. Not to Uh, disparage all Southerners now, we're there, but... But back then, I mean, a lot of them sucked.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the kind of drudge that would be, like, persecuting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would not be a
1: good Oh, one. I see here he was a friend of Paul Robeson.
0: Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Nice, nice. Love that guy. Check out our episode on him. For
1: sure. Do you think that's enough background?
0: I think so. I mean, overall, I would say... And and I think this reading kind of reveals his views, but I I would say he has a bit more of like a globalist view of socialism, which is interesting. He had kind of mixed feelings on Lenin. I like this quote from him, though. He says, in Lenin, I honor a man who in total sacrifice of his own person has committed his entire energy to realizing social justice. I do not find his methods advisable. (laughs) Well, I mean... One thing is certain, however, men like him are the guardians and re- renewers of mankind's conscience.
1: Nice. I mean, to be fair, I would not advise most people <laughs> to follow Lenin's, like, actual tactics no, in day-to-day that, life.
0: That's gonna get you killed. But there's, you
1: know, I mean, some people should probably. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: yeah, it's... He's very much a pacifist like that is like yeah. his one of the things he's most known for.
1: But I think it's cool even as a pacifist that he can admire him in a way, you know,
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. like one of his big regrets was he was part of the people who signed the letter saying like, hey, we need to do atomic bombs because the Germans are working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, I hated that I had to do that, basically.
1: Yeah, he didn't regret it. He was just like that suck that I had to.
0: He said, I made one great mistake in my life. Mm. And he said there was justification. There was some justification that the danger that Germans would make them. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he considers it a mistake. Yeah.
1: He's like, I know why I made the mistake, but it was still a mistake. That makes sense.
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: You can't get it right all the time. Einstein. So that's kind of cool. Broadly progressive, it seems like. and. Like you said, more of an I think internationalist probably the better use of the term because you know the mm. right wing likes to be like globalists or whatever. But oh, that's um, right, that's right. But <laughs> the international sort of view of socialism.
0: Yeah, yeah. I will say he also had some racist comments oh. when he was touring like Asia. So there's Don't
1: that. Do
0: that. Yeah.
1: Well, Einstein again. <laughs> you can't get them all right.
0: Can't get them all Bad right. Good job there. And he certainly didn't. But. I like this paper.
1: (laughs) All right. Let's get into this paper then. Focus on the good. All right. uh, From the start, we have the question. Experts. uh, Should we just leave it up to them? You know, should should regular people weigh in on complicated things? Should we just leave that up to economists?
0: Yeah. He's basically like, who even am I to talk about this?
1: Right. Like, I'm pretty smart, but I'm not like, I don't know shit about economics, basically.
0: (laughs) This isn't my field. Yeah.
1: And he's like, well, no, I mean, it really shouldn't just be left up to them. He kind of goes on to say that economics, yeah, it is a science, but it's not in a vacuum. It's affected by a lot of outside factors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, even though we joke about, (laughs) you know, we joke about the term scientific socialism being, you know, literal science with beakers and shit. (laughs) He's like, it's not that like it's it's culturally affected. It's, you know affected by way more than that one thing that i thought was interesting though and like one of his arguments for it and maybe i just misunderstood he says human history has been largely influenced and limited by causes which are by no means exclusively economic in nature for example most of the major states of history owed their existence to conquest i'm like that that's a economic driving force isn't it
1: oh you're saying conquest shouldn't be considered separate from economics
0: yeah, I mean, I think it, economics has a huge
1: role to play in Conquest. Right. Those, I don't think they're separate, but I think he's saying that it's not solely numbers on a page. It's also people with weapons doing things.
0: Oh, okay. I, I was like, well, Conquest is economically motivated. I mean, you can say it's other things, too, but, like, it's grabbing up resources.
1: Yeah, it's grabbing up resources. It's kind of, you know... I always like to think of it in simple terms of like different uh, crime families duking it out for turf. You know, that's in ancient <laughs> empires. It oftentimes looks like that um, and in modern times, too. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's just saying that like there's there's these other things that are happening and also that when that conquest happens, people uh, there, there is some sort of a legal structure change like society, culture, whatever that is, changes in some way to the new conquering culture. So he's saying like that will change the economic um, outcome too.
0: Okay. Gotcha.
1: But yeah, I like how he kind of lists all these outside factors. Like you said of conquest, um, the class structure, land ownership, and like monopoly of that religion, education, like all these things shape what it's It's Mark's talking about base and superstructure, basically.
0: Totally. Totally. And then he goes on to say that basically the Buddha's wet is this next paragraph of like, hey, like we have not escaped this. What he calls the what somebody else calls apparently Thorstein Veblen, the predatory phase of human development. We have all these rules of the economy and they're all informed by what we assume is like the way to go about things. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's. Those those laws tell you how things are going to work in the economy in capitalism. But he's saying like, yeah, but we're we're not trying to do capitalism anymore. (laughs) So to talk about what comes next, um, the economists are not exactly going to be the experts. They may be well informed as to aspects of it, but they're
0: they're playing a different game. (laughs) Right.
1: It'd be like asking like a football coach to judge how good someone would be at a totally different sport like at ballet Mm -hmm. or something. They may, they may be sort of informed (laughs) athleticism wise, but not overall, you know, they're not going to know the technicalities and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's very upfront about it saying like, Hey, like socialism has a a social ethical end. It it is playing by different rules entirely. And he also compares this to science though. And saying like, Hey, science is, I would, I would say pure science if you want to get into it, I guess. But, It's not like it doesn't have an ethical goal. It's not like trying to better society necessarily. It can, but it can also do really bad things.
1: Right. Science is essentially a tool and it's really up to humans. You can't just leave this one up to the AI. Like humans have to determine where (laughs) the, you know, what the moral path is going to be there or what the goal is. Um, You mentioned earlier, and I guess it was the paragraph right before that. Where he where he quotes this guy Thorstein Veblen.
0: Yeah, who's this guy?
1: So he was an American economist and sociologist. He sounds very German, but he was American. Um, yeah, born in what Wisconsin, I think, or something like that. Really, something very Good old
0: Thorstein.
1: Yeah, Wisconsin. So that's
0: a dwarf ass name.
1: Norwegian American immigrant parents. That's uh, why.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: He was at least Marxist leaning. Um, hmm. He he reviewed his theory and said, "There is no system of economic theory more logical than that of Marx." So I mean, that's pretty good praise. He did, you know, that's pretty good. He kind of criticized more like his followers and said, like some people are very slavishly Mm -hmm. devoted to this, but (laughs) so he he didn't like like the vibe of them maybe, but he liked the overall system. And uh, his most well-known book was called "The Theory of the Leisure Class,"
0: ooh,
1: um, which coined some terms that I mean we use today conspicuous consumption yeah uh, that whole line of terms so conspicuous consumption conspicuous leisure and conspicuous waste and kind of he said he analyzed society in a similar way to Marx's of like class analysis and stuff of but his focus was on that class difference of uh, there being some element of predation that uh, ever since really agriculture I guess uh, once you get out of hunter-gatherer bands, you have a class that exploits the rest, the predatory class. Gotcha. Okay. So he says it changes over time, but, you know, now it's uh, the industrialists and, and their, you know, their Nepo babies and stuff going around, <laughs> you know, just just taking vacations and summering and just consuming off the backs uh-huh. of everyone else. Uh-huh. And, you know, luckily we solved all that and we don't have that still <laughs> happening.
0: <laughs> okay. Way to make me sad on a Sunday morning.
1: Well, let's... You, you signed up for it.
0: <laughs> I did. I did sign up for this. Okay. It was, this podcast was my fucking idea, so I, didn't, I played myself.
1: Yep. All right. So Einstein's saying economics they don't necessarily know where it's at we have to figure out where we're going as people because i mean that's what we do like you can't science your way into morals basically there's like i guess what he means is you can't like put it under a microscope and say whoa there's like what our goal should be like there's there's no way to discover (laughs) that as a law of science
0: yes yes basically there's no way to do it through pure science or even you know the quote-unquote science of economics because this is a different set of goals.
1: Yeah. And I guess that's an interesting point to kind of jump in with a comparison to Marx and Engels, you know, scientific socialism. I guess scientific socialism doesn't itself put forth really a moral framework. It kind of says, this is how things have developed and this is how we think they're going to develop mechanically, right? It says, it's talking about the heightening contradictions of of capital and the crisis that's going to come and, and be and how the workers will liberate themselves. But it doesn't really say like they should, I mean, the authors do, you know, they say, (laughs) yeah, this is good. Please do this. Um, But the science part itself, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. This has its roots much more like in a, like a social cause kind of view of like, we have to do this. It's, it's morally correct. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm into.
1: That's true. You're always more moral. (laughs) I'm more immoral. (laughs) Apparently
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're just evil. I don't know what to tell (laughs) you. And then he goes on to talk about atomization. Basically. Uh, He's saying, Hey, we're, we're in a rough fucking spot. We're going through a crisis. The example he gives is that he was talking to a friend about war and he was like, man, we're really like endangering the existence of mankind out here. And his visitor was like, why? Why does that matter?
1: Do you, do you even care? <laughs> Have you seen humans, bro? Like,
0: he's like maybe we should all die and
1: this that could be written like uh, today that could be oh absolutely just a, a zoomer saying that like shouldn't we i've heard gone? people
0: say that huh. totally of just like maybe it's maybe we're done here <laughs> <laughs> maybe we give it back to the animals
1: right uh and uh, you know that's I, I can sympathize with and i've been there mm-hmm,
0: and mm-hmm. i'll be
1: there like at some point in the future sure
0: Later today, I'll probably be there.
1: <laughs> but it is, you know, it's not our main, we're not nihilists. It's not our main motivating ethos of let's just call it a day for humanity. You know, we'll feel that way every once in a while, but it's a little defeatist.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, and yeah, he's very disturbed by this. Like, whoa, what have we gotten ourselves into? Like, what what the fuck?
1: Why is this happening?
0: Yes. So he's just like, all right, I'm going to try to lay it down for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, And then he lays out this interesting, I think, dialectic uh, between Mm. man as solitary and social.
0: I like this a lot. I mean, it's almost like you take Maslow's hierarchy and instead of making a pyramid, you make it like two parallel lines or something, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Or like it's not really a spectrum. There's still a base. (laughs) Yeah. I think you're right. More of a parallel line because there's like a spectrum within each. But like they work together they their feet yeah, off of each other. Yeah,
0: a double helix.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> so he, he's saying that, you know, we are individuals. We have individual goals. We have, like, natural inclinations, things like that. But we also have this huge social pressure. And the way it exerts itself on you depends on how you were brought up, what society you're in. And they're going to have certain values and try to, like, raise you within those values. And it's interesting, like, the way he puts that, like, that can sound really limiting if you're thinking of, like, man, I just want to do my own thing or whatever. But, like, he frames society as this thing that, like, provides you with food, clothing, home, you know, the tools of work, language, the forms of thought, and most of the content of thought. Uh, His life is made possible through the labor and the accomplishments of the many millions past and present who are all hidden behind the small word society.
1: Hell, yeah. I love that last part because – I don't know. This is something we have mentioned so many times on the show that like it's impossible to think of yourself. And we've seen, you know, lots of thinkers go down the same road of like you are accomplishing things yourself as a person. But how, you know, where, how did you get to that point? How did you get to a world with all the stuff that we have generations of people that you're laying claim to what they did and you, you you know, you, you can't not appreciate that. Right.
0: You are by your existence dependent on other humans, which I think is lovely.
1: Yeah. I also liked how you were saying about like language even and the forms of thought, because that's something you don't think about too, is you're tiny, you know, almost everyone is not really, really conscious or, you know, having complex thought when they're acquiring language for the first time. Someone is doing that for you in some certain, like they're guiding you so, so heavily through that process. So like, that's totally not your accomplishment, you know, for most it's yeah. the most complicated thing your brain's ever going to do in your life. You've already done It's acquire <laughs> your first language and you didn't do most of it. Like you were along for the ride, a little baby, you know, for most, again, for most people, but that's crazy to think. And, and the, the kind of right wing radical individualist type of people, don't have you know their their theory is so surface level they don't appreciate these uh, this fits nowhere into their system of thought
0: yeah yeah like they take all those things for granted and, and they they just assume like and then maybe they call it other things they call it tradition they call it family of like that's just what you do but like if you think about it and like widen that out like it it's much more than that
1: yeah uh i don't know if we're gonna cut it but you were <laughs> you were mentioning the The uh, country song about the small town or whatever, you know, small town values. Let's keep it in. (laughs) But but yeah, small town values or whatever of like Einstein talks about here, like self-preservation or pursuing your desires, developing your abilities, protecting family and friends. I think that's, you know, if you're going to be actually genuine about that and not just like, you know, dog whistling, that's what you're talking about there. But it's not limited to like one, you know isolated small racial group it's like your community and it's like solidarity with people and it's not hard to go from that to well it is hard i guess for a lot of people but what we're saying is what we want to do is expand that out beyond just your immediate vicinity right and yeah you're you know you know people who look like you or whatever we want to expand that to humanity broadly. I mean, not even just living humans, right. We're saying like people <laughs> from the past too, um, to, to everyone should feel a part of the human story is, I don't know, as a little bit kind of hippy dippy as that sounds.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Like it, it makes me think honestly of, of, sci-fi where like, you know, you meet, you know, in sci-fi and fantasy, you often meet like other racists who like have either, uh, really longer or really shorter lifespans, and I find them really interesting in like the way authors choose to characterize that. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so many of them will view humans as like super limited because they're like, "Gosh, you guys die like super fast." Yeah, <laughs> you know, or like you you meet like an entity that like has lived you know eons, and they're just like, "What a waste! You have to start over every time." And I'm like, "But that's the thing—we don't like we get to keep building on that."
1: Yeah, and I think he says it at some point here that you get a lot of your meaning by being a part of the bigger d- devoting yourself to society. Man can find meaning yes. in life short and perilous as it is only through devoting himself to society.
0: Yes. I drew a heart by that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it.
1: Cause the thing is, right. He's, he was saying it earlier. Science isn't going to give you a meaning to anything. Like it'll explain what things are, but it's not going to tell you why you're doing what you're doing. That's up to you to build. Right. And you can kind of have any meaning you want you can say well the meaning of life for me is i'm gonna go you know yell at minorities or i'm gonna go try to cause a war or something or worship my boss and yeah i mean that could be your meaning. that's fine uh,
0: or you could be a grilled cheese sim <laughs> i remember that all you want to do is eat grilled cheese
1: oh man i remember so i asked you yeah yeah which one to play and the only one i could actually get to work on my computer was three. Oh, was weird like, three is okay but the pudding faces got to me so much so mm-hmm. i just played four um, Ugh,
0: you gotta get to two i think it's the best one
1: but legacy is hard man i was
0: legacy is so hard i'm only on gen i think four yeah it's rough
1: i'm still grinding it on a one i've got only like two thousand dollars or something like that living in a shack
0: well, what gets me is like I'm constantly trying to get like the the lifetime aspiration, which for a lot of Sims is like reach the top of this career track, and I feel like very, <laughs> I feel broken about it because I can never do it. They always die before they get there. I always have to hire a maid once they get a child, and I'm just like, wow, you really can't achieve things if you're not rich. That that's what I've gotten. <laughs> that's out of the this. lesson from it. That's the lesson. Well, maybe it's possible to, to, to achieve your dreams if you have children and you know <laughs> like that's gonna be impossible
1: life lessons
0: <laughs> i've learned a lot
1: all right anyway <laughs> <derailed it> from <laughs> finding meaning
0: albert einstein would have loved the sims he'd be like oh this is so cool
1: yeah for sure <laughs> all right back to it we were talking about the division society humans as solitary versus social and how those are actually intertwined And then he kind of goes on to say I like he's talking to hear about like humans versus animals, basically, or insects um, and saying that ours at least is not 100 percent hereditary. Because earlier he mentioned like you probably have sort of initial ratios set of like, well, you know, you're kind of this solitary and this social just introvert
0: extrovert, man. Yeah, you have like a (laughs)
1: temperament, but then society like works on that to produce the final outcome of what you look like you know how how you actually are totally and he's like beyond that though our lives are kind of like we're basically smarter we have conscious thinking Um, we can influence our lives through our own conduct
0: yes yes and saying like this is how we develop those long-lasting institutions and traditions like art and all kinds of stuff like we we have the power of of memory and language that let us do those things. Which sounds like basic, but also kind of incredible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, and it's something we've always had around us so we don't stop to look at. But, I mean, writing, this is a freshman philosophy sort of thing to say, but writing is like time travel. You know? Totally,
0: totally. Love uh, that shit.
1: Einstein's saying... We've got all these, you know, this kind of superpower to to transfer this stuff down the generations and change things. So he's like, on the one hand, we're limited. Uh, our biology is not really going to change. Um,
0: mm-hmm. We're going to need food. We're yeah. going to die.
1: <laughs> but the cultural part, or he calls the cultural constitution, that part is something that we can change.
0: Yeah. And he gives a, a great example I mean, I wish he gave more specific examples, but his his example here is like, oh well like we know that there are different societies out there that are completely different from each other. Like he, he uses the term like so called primitive cultures. And he's saying that like we understand that it's not a it's not a one to one thing. Like it doesn't always have to be the same and you can change your culture. So he's like it's 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 a great argument against the human nature thing of like, Hey, your culture has changed, it's going to continue to change, we should try to do that in a positive way
1: exactly yeah he's and again like we said earlier he's saying the boot is wet right when you pull it out of the lake it's gonna look sopping wet so when you look at a person in capitalism they might look greedy you know (laughs) they might be self-interested and you know only looking out to survive because that's what that's the system we're in like Mm -hmm. we were just talking about how you it's impossible to balance all these different (laughs) things in the Sims unless you're rich. Uh That's the world we're in, you know? So he's saying that can change. That has been different in the past. Broadly speaking, if you're talking about like pre-Neolithic band societies and stuff of, of kind of anarchy, you know, pre-agriculture, it's continues to be the case in, in certain uh, societies, far fewer, in number now. uh, And it could be the case again.
0: Okay. So he's saying, all right, we're assuming society can be changed and that we want to do that. What do we do?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think it's interesting. His first kind of kick is, well, we can't go back.
0: I think this is interesting. And, and I, I get what he's saying in terms of like, Hey, you know, we have technology. We should take that into account. We have such a industrial society that, like, we're probably going to stick with that. Mm-hmm. But to me, it came across as like a little critical, like Ancom kind of views of like we can't just make totally small, self sufficient towns. Like yeah. he's saying, we have to go planetary with this.
1: I thought that was a pretty good perspective, but mainly that's well, maybe that's because I'm more critical of the small scale potential of. Like an ancom approach. Like to me, it if we did communes at the local level, it would be pretty quickly that people would demand that they be federated.
0: Mm-hmm. I I think you're right because you want your oranges and you want your bananas. Did you know bananas are the number one fruit in the United States?
1: I did not. Wow.
0: Yeah, which I believe it, but like, think about how crazy that is. We all demand a fruit that does not fucking grow here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I didn't think about that. Where so they're only like in South America or something or the global South. Maybe
0: I would assume South America is the biggest provider.
1: I got to start learning this stuff. I'm going to have to teach geography this year.
0: <laughs> oh God. I hated geography. I had a really douchey teacher.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he sucked.
0: We also had to do those map tests where you had to like memorize all the countries.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I should make yeah. him do that.
0: Oh, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so to me that made sense or uh, he's saying it's like impossible which i would just say it would be disruptive to not yes go global like if if you did say okay seriously we're not you know everyone's going to do their own little thing we're going to kind of do a little bit of going back to the land sort of thing very much kropotkin but leaving out talking to other communes sort of thing right
0: yeah i i agree i i think i i don't know i don't know why i read so much into that i i agree that communes should communicate with each other and like establish trade i think maybe it was colored by maybe later in the reading like he he just seems to like be really interested in like international socialism uh and and less so interested in mm I guess vanguard stuff or, or anarchy stuff. Like he's very much like, this is what we need to do. Like we should be very organized about it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking this.
1: No, I think you had an element of it because, so you're right. I think he's, he's very much planning. He'll get into that Mm -hmm. later. Not very just kind of anarchist. Let's let the people figure it out. You know, let, let the people distribute the cloaks as Kropotkin would say, you know, they'll figure (laughs) out the houses. That's not what he's saying at all. Like, he wants it planned. But I think in this paragraph, it also, so there, there's, a, he doesn't really talk about anything about like the land or the earth or anything. So there's a mm-hmm. reading of it that could be a little productivist or uh, a little yeah. bit like kind of too industrial. Like, we need to make sure we're producing enough stuff for people uh, and still doing that. But at this point in history, anyway, we may not, you know, we probably should produce less shit. Uh, this the line here the time which looking back seems so idyllic is gone forever when individuals or relative to small groups could be completely self-sufficient
0: it's, it's he doesn't have an eco reading at all which like we're not really expecting him to it's just something to note
1: yeah but i don't know that that stood out to me in this paragraph a little bit is um that that would be mm, sort of a pushback maybe
0: what's interesting though we were talking earlier about like how he is much more moralistic and and like we have to do this on an ethical level i think kropotkin's like that too so i think he'd have a lot in common with, with him in in that way
1: yeah i would say so i mean that was sort of kropotkin's theory of it was let's go convince enough people to you know be anarchists and then we'll and then we'll go and i think that's where the scientific socialism part Divides, as they say. I mean, the mechanics of society is going to drive you to that point. I mean, it is going to require people to do work and stuff, and and convince people. But mostly, people are going to be convinced by their class struggle, you know, and their, circumstances. and their shit that happens to them. Yeah, yeah.
0: So this kind of reminds me of that that book I read a while back. I talked about. I want to bark shooting the shits, but like the the record of a spaceborn few, which is about uh, the Exodus Fleet. These these humans living um, on this, you know a set of ships and they have very limited resources. And so they kind of naturally become very like much like a commune Mm -hmm. and very, like everything's recycled. Like it's, it's hyper aware of their, of their material goods. And what follows is that socially they become different. And I, I remember reading reviews for that and getting really frustrated because people were just like, this is so unrealistic. Everyone is so nice. And I'm like, they had to be, they like, they were, they were, required by circumstance to change their ways
1: yeah you're gonna be on the ship with these people you better be nice
0: yeah like we (laughs) we can't hold you in jail really like we we're not gonna throw you up the airlock so like fucking you have nowhere else to go yeah anyway sorry that was just something that was bugging me this morning no that's Uh, (laughs) that really
1: fits into what einstein's saying in this article is there is a human nature in the biological sense that can't be changed but that interaction that social
0: The societal nature yeah,
1: and even your personality, like that's Mm -hmm. shaped by society. So if your society is different, you know, we very well could see, you know, the new Soviet human um, in socialism because, you know, given enough time in a real actual socialist world and, and and communist society or whatever, like you would people would act differently, just like in that book.
0: I mean, you see that on a smaller level today, like when you travel, you, you come away with these kind of impressions of like, oh, the French are very, you know, laid back or, you know, but also kind of mean. Like you yeah. <laughs> get these like ideas about them and some of them, yeah, are total stereotypes. But, but like if you spend enough time in a country, like you learn a little bit about what the people are generally like. The and culture. And that comes from their culture that mm-hmm. they, you know, yes. they really value food and leisure and all these things in ways that Americans maybe don't.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't seem like a hard concept to get through to people. <laughs> really but doesn't. When, when you start talking about people might be different under socialism, then they say, oh, ho- hold on a second. There's no such thing as, <laughs> you know, a cu- culture never changes. People yeah, are the th- way they are. this
0: person will go live in Japan for 20 years and come out the same person, they think.
1: Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> like,
0: I will not be changed. <laughs> that notion
1: cannot make the translation over to uh,
0: <laughs> socialism.
1: No, that... <laughs>
0: uh, and, and so... He goes on to talk about the relationship between the individual and society being like a big conflict. That That's the problem. He, he goes on to very well describe atomization. He's saying we are more and more expressing that, that we're as an individual more important than society and, and it's degrading the importance of it. The egotistical drives of his makeup are constantly being accentuated while his social drives, which are by nature weaker, progressively deteriorate. That's like absolutely what's happening right now. That is, Like whenever people are like, what the fuck is happening society is crumbling. Fucking that goddamn song. <laughs> That's what's happening. People think they're these big, strong, macho individuals and that like they don't owe anybody anything because nobody gave them anything. And they are taking for granted and also actively dismantling the social structure.
1: Yeah, and Einstein puts it well here. Again, just for the modern day, uh, the conflict leaves people feeling insecure, lonely, mm. and depraved. Of, uh, depraved.
0: <laughs> they are depraved. I'm leaving that one in. <laughs> and deprived
1: of the naive, simple, and unsophisticated enjoyment of life. Like They're lost. The dissonance between... What they're conceiving of themselves is like, I am this individual stripped of, you know, the the actual context of being in a broader society and everything, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like these people just it sounds very tacky, not tacky, but cheesy. Like these people just don't know, like greater love often. Uh, Their love is always, you know, obligation, you know, punitive, just very it's it's. Uh, Again, shame or
1: guilt uh driven.
0: Yeah, very much so, I and mean, you can see that in their <laughs> often in their religious practices too, but in their ideas of the traditional family too. Like those are all very much like rigid kind of structures. Patriarchal and yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I, I think that's a very good analysis to turn the lens toward the right wing. I mean, we're feeling shitty too on the left, <laughs> so we got to look at in what ways does this fit with ourselves in what ways are we uh oh yeah you know being focusing on the individual at the expense of and so many of us are in this situation ourselves included where we as an individual know a bunch of shit and like learn (laughs) about this stuff but we don't make that we don't make that a reality and amongst you know we don't connect with people we don't join organizations and and do mass action and shit like that
0: yeah that's making
1: us feel shitty too is that we kind of know what we should be doing in this crisis situation and then are kind of neglecting that
0: and i would say too like kind of i guess an in-between view of that of like kind of the liberal view or just like a regular person view that's not particularly one wing or the other like we feel this as well of like our social structures. Like you you hear about this all the time. There's so many articles of like, how do I make friends as an adult? Or like, you know, how do I like (laughs) be a person? (laughs) Like, like there's just so many struggles that we have that are a direct result of capitalism atomizing us of, of of saying you are not allowed to have community because that community is dangerous to us.
1: Right there. And I think the reason that this crops up is not, you know, because the boomers will be like, Oh, and not all boomers, of course, but just like it's a <laughs> it's a stereotype that, you know. It's a handy
0: like, device.
1: They'll say, oh, how can you not figure out how to do basic things as an, an adult or like, you know, make connections in your community? How do you not know like your neighbors or something Different like
0: that? Different circumstances.
1: Yeah. Is that like used to have community organizations that everyone was like a part of and shit? Or if even something as simple as like bowling leagues and stuff, mm-hmm. um, that just used to be more commonplace than it is now. Um, yeah
0: yeah and and i would say like the kind of therapization of of folks too of of making it all your fault of saying well i need to do more this is on me i need to go out and make friends and i like i am failing as a human because i'm not doing xyz and a lot of therapy fails to acknowledge your circumstances and society's circumstances
1: yeah i don't know i I guess i'm i'm soft towards therapy because i kind of realize what it's suppose like it's it's only really it i don't think it neglects it so much it says that's not my sphere it's like we don't deal with that but
0: yeah it's it is i have reached so many walls with therapy where i'm just like i can't complain about this because this is just capitalism like there's nothing we right. can do about this you know like we just have to move on to the next topic yeah as long <laughs> as
1: you know like how to cope with it then it's fine like you know that, that's all they're really looking for is not like trying to solve it
0: no, no, I totally and and it's obviously still a valuable tool like duh, we're pro therapy. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like it is a, a way to solve things on an individual level without addressing the societal issues. Yeah,
1: so like society like broadly capital society says hey go to therapy that'll fix <laughs> you it
0: figure that shit out by yourself right.
1: when it really just kind of makes you know, lets you function in a shitty society.
0: <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I absolutely highlighted, drew a heart next to the line that man can find meaning in life, short and perilous as it is, only through devoting himself to society. That is just beautiful.
1: Yes. Or at least a good meaning. Like we said, you can find any meaning <laughs> you want, but a good one.
0: <laughs> I think it's a worthy cause. I and, and it's not saying you can't have a nice personal life as well. You can still do that. But, like, to me, that, that's how you get to the good shit.
1: Yeah. And yeah, then he goes on to describe how capitalism really sucks.
0: Quote from Albert Einstein, it is the, quote, real source of the evil. Yeah. What are you going to do?
1: <laughs> Einstein said it was evil. What can you do? <laughs> Einstein calls out the anarchy of production, you know, using that same language as Engels. As mm-hmm. And I like this line here where he, where he's talking about how they're fucking everyone over right and he says uh the capitalists they're striving to deprive each other of the fruits of their collective labor so when he says community producers that i i first read that as capitalists but i know a lot of times in socialist writings the producers are written about the workers workers. is that what he's meaning here or
0: i think he means capitalists in this that's what i read it as because because of the next line
1: depriving each other of the fruits of their collective labor
0: oh their See, collective labor yeah they don't oh, they're you not know laborer. what it is yeah. it's worker because read the the rest of the line because not by force the capitalists do it by force <laughs> but because of like faithful compliance with legally established rules so saying like we keep ourselves in line
1: because we're following the rules yeah oh okay no i like that okay because i was initially reading it as like the capitalists and kind of skipping mm-hmm. over the little part there in the middle and then saying oh they're even doing it by following the rules you know like they're still i did fucking too you over
0: i uh, that was my initial reading was like oh this is talking about capitalists i like that line but then yeah the because my thing was the by force line tripped me up of like well, they definitely do it by force too <laughs> yeah
1: and i mean that reminds me of the old maxim the only illegal strike is a broken strike
0: and the golden rule he who has the gold makes the rules
1: and then you smile at them with your gold teeth teeth. uh so yeah uh the next paragraph he goes on to kind of do a basic rundown of how capitalism rips people off
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean he does the money trick here
1: yeah it's basically hey uh you're gonna get paid less than than what you're worth
0: (laughs) yep yep there was this great tiktok going around a while back of some some guy like at his job like showing like what he makes in a factory. And he's like, it would take me however many hours to earn, you know, buying one of these things. And I make like a million a day, you know, whatever it was, the numbers are not right. But yeah. just like totally showing that like cognitive dissonance, that intentional dissonance.
1: Yeah. Of of just like, well, what, why are they paying me so little? Why are these, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I like, you know, he's, he's talking about the process here of how it works the real value versus what you produce and it goods or services, you know, same thing for service workers of totally and, and everything. Sometimes I feel like we get into language that's it imagines everyone in a factory. Right. And it's, Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I had to do some unfollows this week on Twitter because people were getting really productionist about it and, and claiming that like sex workers weren't workers because they're not producing a thing. And I'm like, they're producing like happiness and, <laughs> you know like a physical release like well who's next therapist you're just like that's not real work fuck you like mm, yeah. there are jobs that aren't physical like or you know physical goods
1: yeah for sure i'm i'm in one <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> you mean you don't you don't factorize the kids you don't just like stamp on on the forehead when they're done with the year
1: it'd be easier i guess <laughs>
0: <laughs> this one's full of knowledge <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh so at that point kind of it, Follows the trail and says, "Okay, you know what happens as this goes along." And I mean, to in in going forward, it looks like somebody read their Marx and Lenin because uh, he's talking about in language about you know oligarchy. Uh, mm-hmm. He's talking about the state being completely dominated by purchased by the capitalists. You know
0: yeah i i my note here is i think this would be a great introductory text because it's short and for me was much more accessible than the original manifesto and and state and revolution like i think he maybe it's just like product of of the time period he's writing this feels a lot easier to read like i didn't have to fucking reread it at all i was like well, i'm done i'm good
1: <laughs> yeah it's plainer uh-huh. it's not translated as another thing uh yeah and it's modern yeah, that's modern huge. terms
0: Because, yeah, German and Russian can get really (laughs) wieldy when you start translating. Uh, So, yeah, I honestly, I would highly recommend this as a text. uh, If you wanted to send this to someone, like, having such a big name on it is really cool, too. Like, I think this could be a great intro. It it, it also has that kind of moral pacifist underpinning that's not as scary, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's not like, we're going to go murder a bunch of people. So, right.
1: Yeah. He's so not talking about think, like the having the terror on his hands and like mm-hmm. being cool with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I think this is a great intro for someone who maybe is you know liberal leaning, but you, you just want to poke him a little further.
1: Yeah, I would also add to that, it doesn't really use too much in terms of like leftist terms. Yes. Um so it's not he's not really focusing on means of production, mm-hmm. mode of product all the all the like different little Confusing. terminologies that we have to break down.
0: Yes. Um, yeah. I think it's extremely accessible.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, to us, like we're just reading it and like, okay, yeah, this is a basic <laughs> breakdown of what Duh. happens. Uh, but.
0: but for someone, yeah, encountering for this for the first time, they could be like, oh, yeah, they really do, you know, separate the electorate from the legislator. And he talks about how they private capitalists inevitably control directly or indirectly the main sources of information press, radio, education like that's fucking Noam Chomsky Like, yeah. it's a great uh-huh. synthesis of like all these important thinkers in super relatable language
1: for sure and you know the problem has not gotten any better since his day uh, definitely uh, the media education um, all these are dominated by private capitalist interests and it's not like nope. you know it, there? I mean, there are individuals doing it, but like as a class, you know? Yes. It's not like a, like we always say, it's not a backroom conspiracy really, but it's all the same class of people doing it.
0: <laughs> it's the culture. Yeah. Again, and the so, culture is rewarding that.
1: Yeah. And so I, I like here how he says, basically, it's, this is like antithetical to democracy and not in the sense of like, because he's saying it doesn't really matter the, elections because the the they're bought and paid for the yeah, the legislator is bought and paid for but he's also saying like people can't even figure out
0: who to vote for
1: yeah who to vote for or what to you know how to decide things as a society they can't come up with objective conclusions to make intelligent use of his political rights because of the all these mystifications of yeah all we're, these, we're you know,
0: saturated with propaganda
1: yeah and like Gramsci would say, that's that's the common sense of the cultural hegemony or whatever. Like capital society says, yeah, it's common sense. Ca- uh, communism sucks. Capitalism <laughs> is good. Your boss is good. Uh, <laughs> just work hard for him and make him money and your life will be good. Yep. That's common sense. And so it makes us look like the crazy people saying, actually, no.
0: I mean, yeah, like even just then when I was like, I'm pay for elections. Like, I sound like a cartoon character from like the 90s or something, you know, of like, I, I, I don't know, like your crazy uncle. I am the crazy uncle.
1: Yeah, we're all <laughs> crazy uncle communism. <laughs> uh, next, he kind of says that, OK, pure capitalism is. Private ownership of everything, and and you get to you know the the capitalists get to determine what to do with the profits, and free labor contracts, and then you know he he says free quote unquote because it's like at the point of a gun. Uh, mm, yeah, yeah. In terms of like starvation and everything, it's not
0: literal slavery. They don't say yeah you work for nothing, but they say you work for the minimum amount it takes to keep you alive.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he does say there's a little bit of mitigation here because like you know we fought for. Some labor concessions, but he's like, it's not enough. I mean, like, that's pretty paltry. We basically have pure capitalism.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And I would agree, I think, by this, I think this is a good simple definition. Because your capitalist friends will always say, like, oh, you know, we don't even have pure capitalism. Like, the government, like, they (laughs) regulate everything. And so if we had pure capitalism, everything would be better. You know, the government Mm -hmm. gets in the way. And I think this is a good retort of, like, we basically do. Like, there's barely any limitations
0: they've captured all those like regulatory things like they own yeah. everything they own the media they own education like they, they got it all they won already
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're trying to we're playing sure the next it could game. get
0: worse but you know yeah. we're, just we're playing the
1: rematch <laughs>
0: yeah essentially yeah goes on to say production is carried on for profit not for use uh talks about the army of unemployed that's classic marks right there hmm Technology results in more unemployment instead of easing the burden of work. Yeah, hear that shit.
1: Yeah, some Luddite language there.
0: Totally, totally. He talks about competition.
1: Yeah, I like the line where he says that the unemployed and poorly paid workers, like there's a lot of hardship that we suffer unnecessarily because of the profit motive. I mean, if you're a company trying to sell shit or or whatever, or opening up a new enterprise of some sort you don't care what the needs are of people too poor to afford your thing or too poor to give you enough profits right who cares what they want who cares that people need affordable housing that's not what housing is for housing is for making money you know and that's what he's saying is like this is fucked up
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and it becomes like really complicatedly fucked up like like you know like trader joe's are only built in nice neighborhoods right they're mm-hmm. actually, like, pretty affordable. Like, I, when I first moved to Dallas, I was like, I assumed it was an expensive restaurant or expensive restaurant. I assumed it was an expensive grocery store because it was only in the nice neighborhoods.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then when I went there, I was like, holy shit, this is, like, very affordable. Why isn't this, like, in my neighborhood, you know? Yeah. But, like, it becomes, like, a weird branding thing, too, of, like, we don't want to be associated with it. I don't know. It's just very, just unethical. It's, it's an anarchy production, just not okay. <laughs> Sorry, that was a weird off-tangent.
1: No, I mean it makes sense. It's it's the it fits into this broader thing of of Einstein's argument that you have to have a goal, and humans mm-hmm. have to set like that kind of moral. Where are we going to go? And
0: our goal right now is not concerned with morals.
1: Right, our goal right now is just cold. Let's make money for ourselves, <laughs> and and who gets to decide that is the people in charge of society, is the people who own it, and they're like, yeah, wh- who cares what you want? We're just in this to make money, and if you accidentally get. Healthcare or a house or something or an education on good the way. For you. Yeah, that was accidental. I was just trying to make money. You know?
0: <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, I wanted to move on to the education paragraph. Are you good with that?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, because he, he kind of closes out here with it.
0: Yeah. So one of his biggest issues with this is the education system. This quote, an exaggerated competitive attitude is, oh, I don't know this word inculcated into the student who is trained to worship acquisitive success as a preparation for his future career. Yeah. We teach this from
1: the very beginning. This is too true.
0: Yeah. And biographical note, he kind of struggled in some of his early schooling uh, because the mode was so focused on like rote memorization. uh, And he was much more like he wanted creativity available to him.
1: Yeah. And I (laughs) mean, Schools did not get better on that front. <laughs> uh, we, I mean, we should say, you know, some there are outliers, you know, totally. there are different school models and stuff that that are more uh, flexible, more like academically, you know, liberatory and stuff. But, man, what we got just like regular American public education is very much along these lines.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just meet your quotas. <laughs> Become a little
1: fascist. And I definitely agree with him that like, it, it, you know, this sentiment of one of the worst things that capitalism does is, is like bend people toward things that they don't want to actually do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, or like, like I, you know, you may have whatever passion that you haven't, you know, that you actually would like to do and be fulfilled and everything. We're just going to like completely stunt that and make you go do this other thing. You know, just to survive or uh, because that's at the lower levels, just to survive or to get prestige, to get status, you know, for, um, you know, your higher achieving students or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe you're brilliant and stuff and you want to go into the sciences or you want to go into philosophy. That's not a real like, don't do that. Like, go (laughs) and be a lawyer, go and be a doctor. Go and get prestige and respect in society. Go be an investor, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that absolutely happened to us, too. Like, we were both high-achieving students, and we were being funneled into a certain direction.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, with good intentions on the individual totally. Level. totally. But I think that that's kind of what Einstein was arguing for, the individual needs and stuff, uh, causing people suffering because there's there's no community there's no solidarity aspect to it so when when you're not thinking of what could we do to provide for people's needs in general or have this person just be like a member of a society that takes care of each other when you're only looking out for how can i help them survive Mm -hmm. as best they can in this society then that that sucks it's limiting you know
0: definitely okay and he's like Hey, this shit sucks. I just spent several pages telling you why it sucks. The only solution, socialist economy.
1: <laughs> I like it. He's just like, yeah, let's let's do that. Let's um <laughs> let's plan it, you know, do all that. That's that would be good. And this is where you were saying earlier, he's very planned. You know, he thinks this should be get some nerds out there with some glasses and chart it out and figure <laughs> out how much we need of everything. Oh yeah. But I did like this line from here. I don't know if you might've noted it too, Uh, but he's kind of talking in this freeing sort of language, you know, distribute the work to people, uh, guarantee a livelihood, education to promote your own innate abilities and kind of like allow people to hear his line, develop a sense of responsibility for his fellow men in place of the glorification of power and success. So like, kind of freeing people to their sense of responsibility for each other, you know?
0: Yeah. I really like this. I, I, I really like this as a kind of turn on, Oh, you know, everyone's going to be lazy and not want to work. And it's like, no, we're creating a new culture where like, you do feel responsible for helping other people.
1: And that brings into balance what he was talking about earlier. Right. Now you have a responsibility to people. You have your own, individual desires and those instead of conflicting they
0: work together
1: yeah the dialectic works itself out
0: yeah if you're like i'm gonna be the best you know musician in in my community like uh, instead of like having to you know scramble to find a way to make that work financially one you can pursue it amazing and two hopefully your society will have like instilled these values so that you like you know put on cool concerts for your community and like maybe you tutor children in, in music like there's so many ways for you to like i think a lot of professionals reach this point which i find interesting like i, I think just the age i'm at i'm like learning more about like these kinds of things where like the people reach a point in the corporate world where they're like i want to give back and there's mm-hmm. that sense of like oh I'm i'm gonna start doing sorry my dog is like waltzing around my desk listeners i'm sorry <laughs> uh, <laughs> just doing a little puppy dance um they they wanted to start doing mentorships and, and like helping interns or or volunteering like i think people when they reach like their 30s and 40s become more interested in that and in in this new society we would have a way to channel that energy and that that get desire to to help others in a way that's actually more meaningful
1: yeah and more widespread, you know? Yeah, uh, it yeah. Just you have an to, impact. Yeah. And I don't know, It this part here kind of came across to me as very, as echoing kind of uh, sort of dispossessed vibe. Yeah. Um, of a lot of planning, right? I mean, because that's society had like the central planning kind of office um, combined with this individuality of like those are helping each other accomplish things like you were saying about the freedom
0: to freedom from kind of stuff
1: yeah and like you know in in the artist example you were saying you you know yeah you would tutor and stuff like that and if you were able you would probably also sign up to do uh labor around probably
0: yeah yeah you you know
1: or or wherever and it wouldn't be a really a, a question of compulsion uh, it would be something that you would want to do. And this is where the capitalist says, well, but human nature. But you, again, we're in a different society. We're in a society different where we're not entirely. being fucked over all the time. Yeah, you know?
0: we're in a society where like, hey, this has to get done. Like, I, I am here to help my fellow man. Like, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, and, and he kind of ends it by saying, all right, plan socialism, right? Sounds sounds cool, plan economy. We don't necessarily have to completely subsume The individual, bit of a call-out post here, I think, of saying like, "Hey, you know, I get it. (laughs) It's going to be tough to do socialism politically, but like, we also can't lose sight of like democracy, and and you know, we can't let bureaucracy take over." And yeah, so I was wondering that this is when I like scrolled back up to the top to check the date. So I was like, "Oh yeah, probably not a Stalin fan, huh?"
1: (laughs) Yeah, I imagine that he was calling out. Soviet Union, you know, Eastern European social states. It's probably what he was trying to do there. Um, but he leaves it very vague. I mean, he just says, I mean, democracy, you know, you, you got to do it kind of easier said than done, I think. Uh,
0: yeah, he kind of doesn't have solutions for any of that. He's just like, fucking we got to figure it out, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just questions. It's just, mm-hmm. um, you know, how do you do it? How do you balance, you know, the rights of the individual how do you have a democratic counterweight to, he's, he's saying essentially you got to have bureaucracy, I guess, if you're going to plan all this shit out, but how do you make sure that people are still in charge of it? Now, I do like that in this, in his vagueness, in this last little bit, uh, Einstein doesn't specify like, yeah, there should be, you know, a Congress, like a parliamentary thing, or it, it doesn't like. Break it down, or he's not obsessed with something like, oh, there should be multi party elections, or
0: he's not a process guy,
1: right? But in that sense, he doesn't fetishize, like, you know, because sometimes liberal liberals will be like, will criticize socialist, you know, uh, projects and say, oh, you know, you, like Cuba, oh, you don't have multiple parties, so you're not a democracy, and he's not really making that blurring that line, he's like just saying democracy in some form you know because you can have democracy within if you're doing it right you can't have democracy within a single party so he's not really calling that out and saying that's bad necessarily
0: no no not at all like as a as a call out post this is pretty gentle (laughs) he does he doesn't go into atrocities he doesn't like fucking shit talk he's just like hey these are things we need to consider
1: right and you can even take like a You know a malice line on this and say well what would democracy look like in in case in the case of this central planning and stuff would be also get in touch with the people Mm -hmm. figure out what they want you know make sure that they have input that doesn't necessarily look like you're going to have presidential elections every four years between (laughs) two parties of the capitalist class you know like it's gonna it looks differently than that but it's still small d democracy
0: Yeah. And and the ending here, I think, is really powerful, too, because, you know, remembering this is the founding issue of this magazine. And he's saying, these are important questions like this is going to be a big project with lots of questions to answer. And because, you know, socialism has become this taboo word like this is really important to talk about.
1: Yeah. uh, Thanks for having me sort of thing uh, at the end there. (laughs) But yeah, it was He was correct uh, in in that regard, in regard to a lot of this, I think. And, I mean, here we are still talking about these questions. And I liked in this article overall just how applicable so many parts of it were, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, again, I I just think this is such an accessible and timely text to introduce someone to these ideas without getting bogged down in the hows and whys of it and more of, like, Mm -hmm. the just getting them on board of like oh yeah we need to do this (laughs) we'll figure out the how and why later like let's just or the how later let's just figure out the why first
1: yeah i I do think it also i think you're right about the it being good introductory in in the sense that it's also kind of appealing Mm -hmm. on like the human level like the especially the the paragraph where before he gets really into the evils of capitalism stuff he kind of gets on your side by saying like dude doesn't it suck like i was talking to my friend and he was like (laughs) what if we all died that'd be fine you know
0: (laughs) yeah like like, that's so (laughs) relatable like oh how many late night conversations have have how many episodes of this fucking podcast have we ended in that (laughs) that headspace
1: (laughs) yeah so i mean it's very like it it, it it starts out a little bit i guess a little bit academic of like the question of who can weigh in but i think once you get past that it's it's pretty clear and and speaks to the human condition now.
0: Yeah, and I think that was kind of a smart move on his part too because he knows like I am known for science, so I better do some science.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and people might be wondering why the you know, you're Why fucking... the fuck are
0: you here? Yeah. <laughs> so, I I think it's I think it's extremely well written. I I think it's I don't know. I like it. I I this is a banger. I don't know if it's a banger, but it's a accessible pop hit.
1: <laughs> uh yeah no, i was i was pleasantly surprised i thought it was gonna be kind of more pedantic than it was
0: mm, a little more doxem or something or er, doxems. <laughs> dem sock
1: oh, oh uh my gosh. Not moderate not not the moderation part but like
0: okay what'd you think
1: nerdier um
0: uh, mm, bogged down more
1: obscure and yeah you know like technical yeah, I figured Einstein would really get into the numbers and shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh it was very funny like reading this and then going to read his biography and just completely skimming the Wikipedia page on the science parts, like I don't fucking care read it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any of Sorry, that. Sorry,
0: <laughs> listeners. I do not understand that. I was like, I don't I tried reading like the very, you know, the top part of the Wikipedia page paragraph about it and I was like, nah, I don't got it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Totally check this out if you get the chance. Uh, it's a short read. Share it with your friends. If you usually skip our readings and just listen to us, this That's is fine. an easy one to do. I it's
0: like eight pages.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 22 paragraphs.
0: Yeah, it's not long.
1: Yeah, so it's an easy one.
0: And if you wanted to subscribe to the monthly review in the year 1951, it's $3 for a one year cons- uh, subscription. Oh, wow. Forward for $4, just a dollar more, you get uh, Leo Huberman's latest book, The Truth About Socialism. The publisher's price on that being $3, so a real steal. Uh,
1: yeah, for sure. <laughs> you can also get <laughs> copies in,
0: of this specific essay. In so. 1951 dollars? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> $3 for the
1: book? Well, oh, but $3, $3, $3 for, for one-year subscription,
0: subscription. And ah. then at, for a dollar, you get a whole ass book, too.
1: Wow. It's pretty good.
0: Pretty good.
1: 1951. Let's see what that is.
0: Back to your favorite website.
1: Favorite website. Calculate. That'd be $35. That's still for a not book bad. and a magazine.
0: Yeah, that pff, you can't buy a fucking paperback for for that much these days. <laughs> Maybe it's a really small book, you know.
1: Yeah, it's like 15 pages.
0: <laughs> uh okay. Yeah. Next week, just shooting the shit. You know, the drill.
1: Yep. We'll talk about whatever lovely things are going on in the world (laughs) at that time, which probably a lot. Maybe
0: it'll all get better in just a week.
1: The revolution is, like, happening.
0: (laughs) It happens tomorrow. Yeah. They win, and, like, the same day it pops off, and they start implementing Soviets, and we're good.
1: At that point... We could close down the show.
0: Oh, I would absolutely close down the show.
1: <laughs> it's like when they abolished slavery, and the the American like anti-slavery society held a meeting. There, like, okay, we're closed now. I think, like, I think it's we're gone. done.
0: <laughs> we did it, guys. Uh, we could do it for like ha- review. How's oh, it going?
1: <laughs> no, so we, we we could be like re-education.
0: Ooh! For the
1: reactionaries you know now we would be teaching them communism you better learn this shit man
0: <laughs> we're the shock jock djs at the re-education camps like yeah <laughs> they get so we just we're piped into their cells 24 seconds <laughs> uh, it's like in
1: 1984 where you can't like stop hearing the yeah yeah we're production the fucking numbers.
0: we're the we're the little tv in the wall
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: no 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 oh. could be
1: good could be a gig
0: I mean, I'd take it <laughs>
1: <laughs> anything to avoid sewer duty,
0: but I would do it if I had to, I guess. Oh, <laughs> <Well>, for sure. <laughs> I'll oh, hear the thing. They would probably give us like cooler hazmat suits. So maybe it wouldn't be as stanky.
1: That's a, the one of the things is when you broaden out labor assignments like that, like you spread shitty jobs around. If you have to do it or, you know, people (laughs) close to you have to do it, then you're going to design it to be better for people.
0: You'd think so, right? Anyway, (laughs) until then, until our glorious commune comes to be, see you next week.
1: All right. Bye.
0: Bye. Hey there, comrades, just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question. Anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should... You can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube. If that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up and coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.